Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Hi, I'm Ronnie O'Sullivan, and this is 365 Days of Sport. 365 Days of Sport. Yes, good evening and welcome to yet another edition of the greatest sports radio show on the planet. Yes, it's the Jack Lynx Beef Jerky 365 Days of Sport back after a curfew enforced break which we've all enjoyed and we're all getting used to life under lockdown. And with me, as always, the thought that counts. Yes, the man who is particularly sport adjacent. Yes, the man from Auckland, next door to One Tree Hill, Cornwall Park, Rob Bryars. Sport adjacent, that's a new one. Sport adjacent, yeah. Oh, well, it's been uh, interesting times, the beef man. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, interesting. It's, well, the, I really thought it was going to be like no one on the road on the way here. Yeah, there was a few people. There was actually the road, a few there? out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had to get gas on the way, and some... Well, I was in quite a rush, because I was running a bit late. Some Muppet, right when I'm getting my gas, orders two pies was they, that were, were they, not hot. Were they essential pies? Um, look, he did look very Uber driver-ish. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. I think he wanted to go and get KFC, and it was closed. Oh, really? So he went KFC down... KFC was closed. The next one down the line is uh, a whopping... Is 7-Eleven pies. Rank pie. Have you ever actually got a proper insight into what's in those pies, Beefy? Do you know, I'm going to tell you a little bit of an in-story. When I first came over here... Breaking pie news. Breaking pie news. Da, 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 da. When I first came over here, when I was obviously sponsored to play cricket, mm. uh, I was on a, a visa which I was only allowed to earn so much money a week. Mm-hmm. So I ended up doing a lot of jobs for recruitment agencies. So one of which was working for Country Bake. The, in the pie factory. There's a bread factory and then there's the pie factory yep. next door. They're mm-hmm. basically two separate. So I did a lot of um, bread stacking, putting breads in crates and things like that. But I did a week in the pie factory. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not making this up. The fillings for the meat pies, mm. I'm not going to call them beef pies, mm. come in in one ton bags one ton yeah that's a huge bag of massive rank granules and whatever the hell and and they're they're clear you Mm. can see the contents of the bag right yep but a one ton bag that's gonna burst you can't carry that much pie meat in a a one ton is a plastic is this a a three layered plastic type of bag a sturdy plastic bag very sturdy bag industrial plastic bag have you seen bags of sand one ton bags of sand or crushed one ton not one ton yeah they're pretty big you need a forklift for that you do need a forklift that's exactly right how rank would it be to be in a bag like that oh you don't want to get in there um do they give you a breakdown (laughs) a breakdown of what what's in there a big sticker on the side yeah 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 um meat in brackets, varied. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. If you see... At, at least 25% real meat. <laughs> if you see what's in these bags, you will never eat a pie again. Okay. Honestly. Just slop. I'm sure I saw a shoe in there one day. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it is horrendous. I mixed the shoe in. Gosh. Uh, no. It, like you I just, said... You shredded it up and made it, yeah. <laughs> oh, just put it you in made a, pie, a bit of a special it. for someone, yeah, uh, took through, that one home for the family. Into, it goes into a big yeah. vat, which they process again. They chop it up. And yeah. It, just goes through a machine where they fill the pies on a conveyor. Okay. Did you convey that one to the uh, health officers, the uh, shoe in the shoe in the pie Mate, uh, was, feed there? I was desperate for money. And mm. the other great thing about... You didn't work, want to tear the business down. Yeah. You didn't call current affair for uh, the current scandal. They would have been all over that. They love dodgy <laughs> low-class meat. They, they had a meat story every week for about, oh, I would say, six months. Yeah, it's worse now because yep. of COVID. Yep. Um, no, uh, the great thing about working at Country Bake is, mm. uh, obviously, you get paid anyway mm-hmm. but you also got to take home whatever bread you wanted whatever um french fancies i suppose they call it right. whatever pastries they've got there like for taking and when you're in the pie section you get to take loads of pies home after a- you've seen after you've just described how disgusting and rank it is you get to take them home come on rob we've all <laughs> eaten rank dodgy pies i of course i have eaten exactly. rank dodgy pies but they're they're well off the menu these days. Well, neat. but it's just the, did you not see the contradiction in your whole sales pitch there? You just go on telling these one-ton bags of rank mystery scum, and then go on to say the great perks of taking home your own pastries. I think that's a not a strong sort of well-formatted sales pitch, Rob, beefy. Off all, the top of we your head, we all eat steak. We all mm. eat sausages. We don't all eat. Well, not all of us, but I, we do. We do. Yeah. Yes. 
the same kind of way that meat gets into the um, supermarket is yep. the same way the meat gets in the pie. It gets in there somehow, and we don't really know what's in it. Yes, but at least if you buy a piece of steak, you can see that that's a steak. You can, but we there's, don't there's know where at least it's been. It's marked with some sort of uh, regulated yeah. content, letting us know that this is not just sort of scraped up out the inside of a trash can and re- repackaged for... Um, to send someone to the hospital kind of thing look at the end of the day it's a high standard beef at the end of the day it's legal somehow Mm. how much testing it's legal (laughs) it's legal it's gone straight for it's legal stuff in the pies it's it's Mm. clust as meat whether it's beef chicken or polar bear nobody really knows what was the caliber of other people that worked at the old pie, pie factory there what do you mean the caliber That's well, with, 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 well I, just, I asked a very open question um, you, you you why did you assume that was derogatory i are they from all walks of life or they're different they were, different they times all walks of life. This different is, shapes uh, and sizes is it an inclusive place diversity inclusiveness not quite as high on the agenda as it is nowadays but you know it's important, BP. So it's about 1996, I suppose. Yeah. So it's a few years ago now. Um, Still also, the Howard government then, wasn't it? Oh, God. No, I think it was probably earlier than that. 90, he was 91, he came in, John Howard. John, no. Really? Yeah. That shows how much... My, you sure it wasn't Keating? Could have been Keating. Hawk? Keating came in straight after Hawk. Did he? Pretty sure. Yeah, so I don't know. Are we not an Australian political history show? It's for well, I'm confused. We're more of a dodgy meat pies <laughs> anecdotes a type of show. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you another story that came up. Uh, Two thousand and one British Lions down here in Melbourne, mm. and we met up with a load of uh, a load of lads. They were from Yorkshire. They were on a rugby trip mm-hmm. over to the British Lions tour. Mm. So we all went to the test match on the Saturday at Dockland Stadium. We all ended up at the MCG next day. It was Melbourne versus North Melbourne. Yep. I reckon there was 30,000 people there. Mm. There would have been 20,000 Brits. Okay. At the North Melbourne, first (laughs) Melbourne game. Yeah, on a Sunday. Okay. They all were sitting with these lads from Yorkshire, and the 4-and-20 guy comes down. Yeah. And don't forget, they are fresh from from England. Yeah. Guy comes down, he goes, Meat pies! Get your meat pies! Yeah. And the first bloke goes, Oh, yeah, I'll have a pie. What flavour? What flavour? Flavour. What flavour pies you got? Yeah. he went, Meat. (laughs) Yeah. The guys are expecting what steak, kidney, beef, potato, yeah, yeah, yeah. all that. No, meat. Yeah. Oh, all right. Meat pies for everyone. Then. <laughs> well, uh, I will say the pie I had at the cricket at the Oval in London. Oh yeah. Very good. I yeah. still remember it because I was I was worried. I, I mean, I when you get that jelly stuff going. Oh yeah. It makes you convulse. The, I mean, the good pies in Britain, like pretty deep, but mm. curry, curry pies. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Good to know about... Well, of course, Beef, Beefy, both of them, I've mentioned a few times on the show, he was a big pork pie fan. Oh, oh uh, pork he, pie. He would turn up hungover to games and he'd send down the young upper-and-comer whippersnapper trying to make his way into the team, send him down the road, and his job was to get himself uh, three pork pies and a pack and of fags, and then he'd have to have a big cider. stack of... Co- a of cider. A bit of a cider or something, sort of take the Just edge off. Just to kick off. him off. Yeah, um, yeah. I was going to say as well, the, the one thing missing from uh, Australian delicacies here, cheese and pickled pork pies. Okay. Or... Oh, they're the greatest pie you can buy. I'm not going to bag it. I mean, it, when I was a young lad, you know, you hear some of these odd flavours, uh, odd ideas that sound like they're from, you know, medieval times. <laughs> I'll have a pickled pork and what did you say it was? A cheese and pickled pork pie. Cheese and pickled pork pie. Yeah. And it sounds like it's, like it's going to be made of intestines um, from a rat. That's what, it, that's what you think is actually going to be there, yeah. which is probably more the case nowadays than it was back then. Like I said, Rob, mm. you don't know whether it's donkey, pigeon, yeah. or polar bear. Is it, are you allowed to eat donkey? Uh, I don't see Where is donkey's that. most prominent? South America? Probably, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't... Why wouldn't you eat donkey? Uh, this is... The well, I, I don't know. Is it, is it frowned upon? Yeah, it's like horse. I mean, I've eaten horse before. Well, right. And horses are... A, big animal and yep. it's got a lot of meat yeah why wouldn't you eat it i think it's because they're considered a, a friend of human mm, okay uh, and they're considered to be sort of pets with personalities so uh, it's uh okay. yeah ca- that, that's aren't? essentially why no cows are not seen in the same light cows and sheep see it's it's strange isn't it and pigs obviously well i mean that doesn't mean it's right that that's how oh, it's I'm viewed not, i'm not saying i'm just saying that, that is I'm how just... it's viewed i would have thought you would have observed this yourself in uh, oh, your well, 46 years to... on the planet <laughs> yeah true mm. i'm just trying to make that step and that connection why Mm-hmm. I mean, you can farm horses. I mm. guess they run around. They live for a long time. I guess that's well. Safe. Based on that logic, you should probably be a vegan. I think, beefy. No, I'm just trying to get an answer to the question. Okay. I'm just questioning. I'm not questioning the morals. Mm. 
I'm just asking the question. Yeah. They're bloody tasty, though, I tell you. Well, if anyone's ever listened to the show, they could call in and we could have think, a chat. Oh, but um, unfortunately, I've, 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 I've only got my point of view to yeah, give to you, right. Beavy, which so is I, not going to be I, worth, worth anything much. I went on a French exchange. So I reckon I was 15 and they served up horse on a, on a Sunday lunch. In France? In France, yeah. They do eat horse a lot in France. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. Well, I, I've, I've, I've gone to horse. I mean, I love horses. Oh, uh, so who doesn't? I, I draw the line there. I'll pick and choose. <laughs> well, fair enough. Um, talking about meat. Yeah. Uh, the, obviously, the latest podcast went up uh, recently. Yeah. Where, did you eat KFC? Korean well, now something chicken. something happened here because I, I actually told my partner about this great idea that I had. Uh, to to sit there on a Saturday and get a, a full bucket of seventeen pieces of fried chicken and just buy a slab of beer and just go f- mad on the punt, but it all kind of turned sour when I checked the ho- the fort fields on the oh. horse rubbish, nothing much going round. So that stopped you buying Korean fried chicken. Well, that sort beer. of it was a it really made the plan seem less exciting. It was a, that was the entertainment for the day. Otherwise, I'm just a person sitting on the couch, eating, eating chicken and beer, doing nothing. Like, at least I'm, if I'm watching a horse race, that's something. But I can't sit there in a quiet, dark, empty room by myself. I mean, that's not a good sight. I mean, the lockdown's a good excuse for a lot of things. Mm. I'm not sure I can put that on the uh, table, Beefy. So, unfortunately, it didn't quite come into fruition. And actually, Tess quite cunningly did something... Oh. I ate something that she cooked for me, which was not nearly as rank, which I sort as of... Rank I know, as what? As 17 pieces of fried chicken. <laughs> yes. And uh, I ate that, and that uh, kind of just... halted my proceedings. I wasn't that hungry anymore. Ah, uh, never mind. And terrible... F- anyway, I, th- I reckon this weekend I might give it a go. All right. Yeah. I look forward to the review of the, yeah. of the new KFC. Yeah. Well, we had, we had... I mean, definitely won't have any babysitting. We've got uh, young Stella... We've had her over for, um, got the permit and everything to have her come over one night a week because Tess teaches her, is her, is her at oh, stay-at-home okay. teacher for the day. Right. And Interesting oh, development, that. She's tough. She's, uh, she's really trying out, trying things out. <laughs> Obsessed with mermaid videos. Yeah. Videos of mermaids. And, like, these weird ones where it's like, like young kids just having a swim playing with mermaid dolls. And it's like really low budget shot. It looks like you know nineteen eighties America's H- funny Home video sort of quality. Right. Well, not quite that poor, but there's certainly not any thought into lighting or any or cinematography. <laughs> <laughs> it's just some, some kids in the pool, you know. Looks a bit rubbish. Yeah. And and she just can watch these things for hours, mesmerised. Um. And if you you pull her away from them, turn them off. Gosh, she's she's not happy. She's not happy at all. Mm. And of course, I'm quite the disciplinarian, so I don't I don't stand for this sort of stuff. No, she's getting some contradictory uh, leadership Ooh, between the two parties really? involved. One's considerably more compassionate and tolerant. Okay. I think you can guess which one. <laughs> Apparently, uh, it's a big problem. Kids obsessed with these unboxing videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they will watch these unboxing videos for hours and mm, hours on just end, just seeing what the toys are like. Yeah. I don't know why. Because they, it's the excitement. It's like they're a mm. part of the opening. They can feel what it's going to be like getting that piece of plastic crap that they'll play with for a week and then... then tr- move on. Move on. I had an AFL game on in the background on Saturday night. Mm. Watched it, oh, I didn't watch it. It was on near enough the whole game. Obviously, Claire was off See, doing other things. Desperate. Wait. What? I was quizzing, doing our Saturday night quiz. Yeah. So I had the laptop, uh, and above the laptop, the it was just on. Right. It was Brisbane, by the way. They yep. were playing. So a vague interest in the score. So this is how desperate you are. Uh, you're so desperate for sport, you actually don't have any. There's nothing out there now. Well, I was quizzing, so it didn't really matter what was on. At least when you could look up. And, and on my phone, I had the cricket, the test match on okay. Saturday night. And what, what a final day in the test match was. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. England pulled off another miracle. Miracle victory. And they were 100 for five, chasing 277. Mm -hmm. Chris Wokes and Joss Butler pulled it out of the bag. Joss Butler was due. Well, he was actually playing to save his place in the side because I think they've had enough. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, those two got it it home and they won by two wickets, three wickets possibly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But Ben Stokes has just left the squad. He's had to return to New Zealand apparently. For, yeah. uh, so uh, possibly well, he, a, he, a grandparent uh, on the way out, I'd imagine. He was in the team 
because he couldn't bowl solely for his batting, and he batted at four. I think he got naught in the first innings and nine in the second innings. So, okay. yeah, he's probably due. Quite unlike him. I don't think four's his spot, to be honest. He is a five yeah. at the highest. Well, he started at six, I think. He is a six. I yeah. think he is a six, really. I mean, he's got some good scores, obviously, at five, and he can bat long. And he's the type of guy you want with a tail anyway. Um, so I think... Yeah, I, was, I mean, because I, I was about to say I, because I'm very similar to Ben Stokes in yeah. terms of my ability and talent. Uh, I, I would either open and tonk, or the highest I could come in was five, five, six, seven. Beautiful. So, so just getting um, back to me and my career. So England's top order is just... They will not beat Australia yeah. at this rate. The bowling, even though they've got, you know, fairly... The bowling's good. Did they end up... They gave up on the South African bloke, didn't they? Who then came in for that Ashes test and failed. Uh, a very attacking player. Come on, Jason beefy. Roy? Yeah. He's not a test player. No. I can tell you now, straight off the bat, he's not a test player. I think they said he'd never batted longer than three hours yes, in any true. form of the game. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly oh, right. Oh, it's not T20, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, might come up a bit later tonight. Hi, I'm Dane Swan, and you're listening to 365 Days of Sport. So we played the first song that came to his head. It just so happened to be. It was the worst song in the world. It was the worst song in the world. Listen to the song and it's clear a moment because the words don't fit and the song is shit. You're a talentless kid. You suck! I told you that there was Aussie rules on the TV. So on the weekend, I saw a Brisbane Lions game and... You could hear it, but you couldn't, no, weren't listening to it. it. No, because I was doing the quiz, so I wasn't even listening to it. Right. But I did manage, I was flicking through the channels, and I saw the last 30 seconds of a West Coast Eagles game. Mm-hmm. And, unbelievably, and I didn't know this had happened, have you heard it? They haven't got a new song. They've got an an updated version of the song. Now, I haven't, I can't, I'm not sure if I heard it or not. I think I might have done. Okay. But it's still the same basic melody. Kind of. I recall it's still sucking. <laughs> but <laughs> I'll, I'll press go. Just, just so we know, worst song in the world. Just for those new people listening in. All the new people. This is a. This is an often sports likes to be uh, to create some vibrancy and fun around their whether it be their club, their team, uh, their players, sing, single players, friends, um, friends, family. Associated um, celebrity fans. Sometimes even horses. Okay. Winks. Daryl Goodell Braithwaite. Oh, Cox Plane. Got a new single out. And they like to have a bit of a get intertwined music with sport. And yeah. it just doesn't work out. It's a very, very poor... It's sort of like... I don't know. It just feels out of place sometimes, mm. doesn't it? It's like that song at the end of the Bollywood movie. Which Bollywood movie? All of them. <laughs> all of them, yeah. They always have a song and dance at the end, oh. don't they? And generally all the way through as well, if you see some just, uh, cracking Some of them movies. do, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, this is the West Coast Eagles 2020. It's called New Decade, New Song. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's uh, that's not that's not working. That's but, that's no, no, you don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell me who sung it. I could tell immediately within right. about two words that it was the Birds of Tokyo guy. Birds of Tokyo, yeah. That oh, 
Oh, I shouldn't. He's Australian. Look, um, first of all, I mean, they went, went for straight for the embrace of aggressiveness with, with coming in with, uh, and that's that's great. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, they should have just come up with a whole new song. That song's never gonna. You, you can't. It doesn't work. You can't do that song. It's a bad, bad song. They love it. And that's that was so bad. That was just riddled with. You should be ashamed of that. That should. You should be on the field. The players' cheeks after the game will be rouge, not from being huffed and puffed, from being so embarrassed with that horrendous tune. It's absolutely ridiculous. Only, and it doesn't surprise me that they got that guy to sing it because they need someone who's clueless of taste to be able to push through. <laughs> and. Um, Oh, that, was, that guy's um, uh, uh, a lovely bloke. I'm sure he is. He's uh, uh, very... It was, uh, it was actually... It wasn't... But uh, all you have to do is listen to his actual songs. Or listen to the lyrics of that. It, yeah, but this is... He is like a Christian rocker. Calm down, Rob. This is... this. Oh, don't tell me to calm down! This, this is the worst song in the world. This was the bassist. <laughs> Birds of Tokyo bassist wrote this. Ian Burney, who is a West Coast Eagles fan. But Ian Kenny, obviously, who's the lead singer. But the but the, the band they've created, yeah. it's very clear they all have to be a similar mindset for the music that they create. Oh, yeah. Although, saying that, I think the front man for Birds of Tokyo is also in a kind of death metal or thrash metal or one of these emo goth heavy types. He's in... Um, yeah, uh, but it will be fake. It won't be like a proper... Carnival, rock. I think he's in, or um, one of those. Remember Daniel Ricciardo, when we talked to him, he was all over them. It'll be some some emo punky more. They'll be more like Simple Plan than they'll be oh, like I think a, they're a little bit heavier than that. Well, but that, that's the same thing. That, that, it doesn't mean it's they just turn the amp up louder. It doesn't oh, mean okay. it's heavy as such. Sorry, Rob. Oh, so annoying. Why don't they get another song? Like, just give up. It's well because West Coast. Eagles. I mean, that's classic. I mean, it's, it's not even polishing turds. It's it's it's, it's all it's already a, a disgusting, vile turd that was offending everyone, and now the stench is just more prolific. I wish we could get a West Coast Eagles fan on to think to let us know what they really think of the song. Did you know the previous song was with them for thirty-three years? Well, that, for, from the open, the club I started no, I then. Would have thought so. Eighty-six, whenever it was. West Coast Eagles CEO Trevor Nisbet said, "2020 was the appropriate time to review the club song." No, well, yes, it needed to be reviewed. But the thing is, at least you could kind of laugh at it before because it was resemblant of an era that was tacky and, by and large, totally lacking in any taste whatsoever. And and a song like that is quite reminiscent of that era. And it actually makes sense with its lame 80s synth and its lame everything, tasteless, grand, electric drums, etc. And now you've got a modernised version of the same horrendous bollocks. <laughs> This is, this it's is, no different, Beefy. This, this is another quote. It's, it's just got millennial tinge to oh, it. Oh, hello. Embracing the progressiveness, like you said. Mm. Uh, this is another quote. This is a quote about nothing. This is the Seinfeld of quotes. As much as it's a bit of the same, it's a different feel, and it's quite creative, and we're really pleased with it. Is that That's their own that take on it. Trevor Nisbet's quote. It's quite creative. Quite creative. Not a lot Because they stuck a didgeridooing. As much as it's a bit the same, Rob, it's a different feel. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. It does say this uh, the last line of the press release here. The song also features a didgeridoo and clapsticks intro, a first for any NF- AFL club. Mm-hmm. So they are the first. Yep. Um, I did like first the, past the post. I did like the little uh, the great great songwriting here. It's more than winning. It's West Coast magic, and it's just beginning. Mm-hmm. It took him months to come up with that. Oh, they rewrote those lyrics, did they? Uh, or they I, added I, that in? No, I think that's new. I, I, I mean, all, you, honest, I all you have to do is just listen to GWS's song. That's how you do a footy song. And that was brand new. Dun, dun, and you know how that dun, happened? Because they got dun, quite good musicians dun, dun, to do it. Great Western Sydney. Great White Sharks. They should have Jaws. They should have had Jaws. They should have created the Kraken. Release the Kraken! They could have had that on the side, not as the actual song. Like, write a song to no, the Jaws yeah, thing. I know. It would have been good. Great atmosphere. That's what mm-hmm. AFL's lacking, Robbers. I keep saying. Yeah, well, there's no crowds. True. Although, um, yeah, there is no crowds. There they is. don't. They're not singers here. No. It's because they got all the convicts, Beefy. Like they got. All the, yeah. That's that's the main reason. I, I, I don't. I don't. I do not know how many times I've said this. If AFL had the atmosphere of Premier League football or British football, mm. you could not buy a ticket for love nor money. 
Mm-hmm. There would be Richmond would have 100,000 season ticket holders. Collingwood would have 100,000 season ticket holders. You would not be able to buy a ticket on the streets. Mm. Um, but, but nowhere in Australian sport have they done chanting like that. Yeah. They've attempted to with this Fanatics lot, but it's just, as we've gone through, it's just not quite there. It's a shame. It's a real shame. AFL, we just love it. Uh, New Zealand news. They just got in stage three lockdown. Just in Auckland, though. Oh, and, is it? And it's not a lockdown. It's stage three alert. Oh, just okay. to be wary, basically. Okay. Beer. So they got, got one they got one case. <laughs> uh two, I think. Two it? was it? Yeah, I think so. A beer company accidentally names its new ale the Maori word for pubic hair. Oh, I read that. Yes, a brewery and a, and a leather firm have become laughing stocks in New Zealand over the use of the word huru huru, which is an unfortunate translation. How did they manage that? Uh, well, huru huru, if you look it up in a dictionary, literal translation is mm. feather, apparently, but they didn't know the kind of urban translation. Oh, okay. Well, that's, I mean... Canadian brewery and a New Zealand leather company have been called out for their uncomfortable use of the Maori word huru huru. The Hell's Basement beer firm gave the name to its new New Zealand pale ale, while the leather business, which is based in Wellington, named its store huru huru authentic leather, with both believing it meant feather. But it turns out the word actually translates into something far more awkward pubic hair mm. the unfortunate mistake was revealed by new zealand tv host tehamua nikora in a facebook post now this is some of the greatest explanations but is it time. an urban dictionary like is it like a casual casual is it actually in the tadeo maori dictionary is this is what this means um, that's what i need to check because this if it's just some urban dictionary bollocks it doesn't matter i think if you ask maoris that speak te are, uh, tereo t- yeah tereo they would say huru huru is pubic hair. Okay. Um, even though... Why am I asking you? I should know more than you. You should. You, <laughs> that goes without saying. Anyway, some people call it appreciation. I call it appropriation. It's that entitlement disease they've got. Stop it. Use your own language. If you are selling leather, call it leather. Don't call it pubic hair unless you're selling pubic hair. And don't call beer pubic hair unless you make it with pubic hair. And Mr. Nakora said he personally contacted both businesses to inform them of their mistake and to ask them to use their own language in future. See, that that's the part that he's got it wrong. Use your own language. Mm. What This is a total lack of awareness of the struggle to integrate Maori culture back into New Zealand, which started in the 70s. Yeah. So 50 years on, there's been so much progress and it's so interwoven and intertwined. He's now saying it's not yours anymore. What what is that's that he's doing the exact opposite of what generations of Maori have been trying to do, which is to make it more inclusive and he now doesn't he's saying the opposite. Mm. That that's a terrible thing to say. Perhaps what he's saying is please ask But us. use your own language. Where's the divide exactly, mate? I thought we we're all one people. Well, Isn't that is that well, not how yeah, it works? Very true. Perhaps he's saying just ask us first. Use your own language. Okay. Do you want to hear the rest of this this speech he's got? You fellas need to know when the Maori look at the name of your store, they're not going to see feather. They're going to see pubes. And no Maori is going to go into your store and buy pubes. Why buy pubes when you can get your own pubes for free? Mm. That is a verbatim quote. Well, he's he's just a dick. Simple as that. Okay, I'll let Mr... Um, That's not... It's just... Nikora know about that. Lame. that uh, your the 116th Maori heritage that you've got, you just... He needs to sort it out. It's nothing to do with any of that. It's just that he's just a knob. Um, two years ago, and I think we reported this on our show, Coca-Cola's attempts to combine Te Reo Maori and English backfired when the company inadvertently wrote, Hello, death! On a vending machine in New Zealand, mm-hmm. uh, because the machine was emblazoned with the words "kia ora mate," which translates into "hello death" instead mm-hmm. of "hello whatever mate is in uh, Te Areo. Yeah, so that is an oversight, and it's a mistake, mm. and uh, a foolish mistake. Foolish mistake. Um, Central lockdown news, Rob. Central Indian couple name their twin babies COVID and Corona. Ah. The virus is dangerous and life-threatening, but its outbreak made people focus on sanitation, hygiene, and inculcit other good habits. Thus, we thought about these names. The delivery happened after facing several difficulties, and therefore my husband and I wanted to make the day memorable. Mm-hmm. How the- much did they really think about it? <laughs> when the hospital staff also started calling the babies Corona and COVID, we finally decided to name them after the pandemic. 
Uh, this is the get out clause the couple did state that they may change their decision later and rename their children no mm. twins have become a centre of attraction in the hospital according to Verma Singh since the couple have named them after the virus mm. come and see my kids yeah come, come and check out my kids AIDS and rabies jeez <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. this is my daughter gonorrhea <laughs> yeah. lovely and a twin brother yeah. syphilis <laughs> Oh, Indians, Rob. Indians, they sometimes, they, they just take things a little bit too literally, don't they? Um, Donald Trump's trying to get on Mount Rushmore. Donald Trump's trying to... He wants to get his face added to Mount Rushmore. Is he actually having a laugh? Mm, right. No. Is he aware of what the other four um, presidents <laughs> achieved? Yes. Unfortunately, he probably is. Here's a quiz for you, Beefy. Who are the four presidents on Rushmore? Uh, Lincoln... Washington, mm-hmm. Roosevelt, mm-hmm. and s- somebody else. It's just slipped my mind, too. <laughs> Washington, Lincoln, Roosevelt, and uh, Thomas... Edison, who invented electricity. No, <laughs> no, no. It's the guy who wrote this, this Declaration of Independence. Yeah, probably him. Anyway, we'll come back to that. I'm sure <laughs> I knew this. That's why I asked. It's usually in, a, in the <laughs> There's quiz. There's always one I can't remember. It's always in the quiz. All our American listeners are going nuts now, going, these yeah. two blogs, what do they know? What do they know? I do know this. I just read it the other day. Uh, White House aides reached out to South Dakota Governor Christy Noem about the process of adding additional presidents to Mount Rushmore. According to a person... Thomas Jefferson. Jefferson, that's him. ...who spoke with the, with the New York Times, Noem then greeted Trump when he arrived in the state for his July 4th celebrations at the monument with a four-foot replica of Mount Rushmore that included Trump's face. Noam has noted before that Trump's dream is to have his face on Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Coolidge-era sculpture that features the 60-foot-tall faces of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, and Theodore Roosevelt. Mm. Yeah. I mean, this that's one sports bit's got to get all over this. I mean, that's going to pay huge odds. I, I don't. How, do you think it could, could possibly... I mean, there's no way it could happen. I don't think. Well, where, where is it? Where is he closer to saying this? Well, the quote is: he says uh, he had a press conference. Oh no, no, no! This is uh, this has been leaked, leaked okay. from the White House. Yeah. Apparently, Trump met this Christy Noam, who's the governor of South Dakota. He said, "He said, Christy, come on over here, shake my hand." So I shook his hand and I said, "Mr. President, you should come to South Dakota sometime." We have Mount Rushmore. And he goes, do you know it's my dream to have my face on Mount Rushmore? Trump has also toyed with the idea of adding himself to Mount Rushmore back in 2017 at a campaign rally in Youngstown, Ohio. You know he'd love to do it. If he could find a way of doing it, he There's would. no way because they would have to hire a full-time janitor just to clean all the crap off and they get thrown it'll just get decimated every day I can't it just wouldn't happen I don't think he could actually get the workers to do it probably not but They'd um, stand down and he will try he will definitely try anyway no, we better play some tunes imagine the, the but just such as the delusion in his mind oh. he, you're, you're actually the worst president of all time no you talk about delusion he clearly thinks he's the best <laughs> Make no bones about it. He clearly thinks he's the best president mm. of all time. He does. He just does. Well, history will show. History will tell us, won't it? If the president's not telling us, history certainly will. Well, somebody tried to shoot him today, so uh, or got very close. Really? Oh, didn't you? Hear, haven't you heard the news? No. Nah. Yeah, the uh, the Secret Service shot a guy on the White House lawn who was armed. Yeah. And uh, so uh, he tried yeah. to go, just storm, just make a run for it. Yeah, he, he struggled to do that. I'm Mick Fanning, and this is 365 Days of Sport. Welcome back to uh, 365 Days of Sport, brought to you by Jack Link's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. Um, got some news over the weekend, Rob. It was the uh, Auckland Grammar School versus King's College. Oh, that was on. Okay, on maybe the weekend. Hear that somewhere. Yep. Uh, unfortunately uh, for you, went down. Auckland kicked a late penalty to uh, ah, right, win right. 34-32. Oh, high-scoring game. Massive crowd. Was it? No uh, COVID issues at the. Uh, at the old grudge match there. Well, that's actually where the... In South Auckland was where it was found. Wow. The COVID cases. Well, yeah. Prep. But at, at Kings has got, like, big grand trees and stuff and it looks very English. Oh, does he? Yeah. Here's a bit of... This is the last highlights of the end. It was at Kings, actually. Okay. 
beautiful greens. Mm. And the crowd went mad. So that's a yeah. I it mean, was give, a us, huge... give us some history, Rob, about that. Well, it's, uh, a, it's game. sort. Of, I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a massive game. But basically, the school where I went to when it was first built was out in the country. Uh, um, it's only it's only actually about twenty kilometers from the city. Right. But at that point, it was all farmland, and um, it's end up becoming so it's sort of the most prestigious private school, very old English school type of thing. And as the uh, city grew, it, it became mostly the area where all the Pacific Islands is uh, when they came in in the 70s uh, immigrated from Samoa, Tonga, Cook Islands, um, Fiji, and they populated the area. So it was actually sort of the, the wealthiest school in the country right. in what was socioeconomically uh, the lower end. Um, and Auckland Grammar was public school, actually, but you have to be in the right zone to be able to go okay. to the school. Right. So a lot of people moved um, there to yeah. get their kids in. Yeah, right? yeah. And both traditionally all uh, just boys' schools that girls do go to King's College in the last two years now. Oh, really? But yeah, but it's always been a massive game, and, and they'll cover it, they'll do often magazine specials, very glamorous looking sort of photos taken. I remember before I started the, in about, you know, 1989, there was a feature in, in Metro magazine, which was a wanky Auckland magazine, basically, uh, sort of about the, the captains of, of King's College and, and the captain of Grammar and stuff, and it had a big sort of massive spread and talk about the history stuff, but they've been playing for a long, long time. So basically the two biggest, most prestigious sort of schools in Auckland and uh, they'll get at least 5,000 people oh, to, to the game. A, it's it's, massive it's probably getting yeah. bigger and bigger yeah. and, and once was... upon a time when we would perform our haka before the game, we had a six line haka that was very basic, had three actions and we'd all just do it very quickly. Now it's the whole school or half the school at least sort of goes on the field mm. and go behind the, the first 15s and they actually perform like a, a very extravagant sort of kapahaka cultural performance performance mm. and it's pretty spectacular this was live on sky sport over there as well that's how big this game is mm-hmm. so uh, i know they're desperate for rugby coverage and it was i think super rugby's new zealand's finals this yeah. weekend i think crusaders won yet again right yeah well in 1996 when i was in, my, in fifth form they they filmed it um that year that was uh it was our centenary the um yeah. what yeah. rob just mentioned and what we will do is because uh, there's been a bit of coverage about the uh, the tremendous hackers before this game we'll put one of those on our facebook page so just mm. check out 365 days of sport well, the build, it was actually like slightly on reflection the build-up is actually a bit psychotic right and a bit too much like for some people it ends up being the biggest day of their life because oh. you know they're a good player but they don't go on to bigger and greater things sort rugby, of thing yeah. and i remember stories of guys not being able to sleep the night before and they would all stay up together just getting psyched up from like <laughs> the night before kind of thing and then the party afterwards i must say is often a pretty mental good if you win that is yeah or if you know don't win um, bit of snooker news. Snooker. Uh, weirdly enough, the World Snooker Championship is going on right now. Is it's, it at that golf club? <laughs> it probably should. That we be. went to. There's no crowd, obviously, <laughs> yeah. so it doesn't really. They could have played it in the straight for all mm-hmm. week. Here. Uh, but Ronnie O'Sullivan. Funnily enough, it's in the quarterfinal stages right now. Ronnie O'Sullivan, friend of the show, mm. is playing against Mark Williams, friend of the show. Okay. In the quarterfinals. Good. Uh, Mark Williams is actually uh, winning six-two right now. Uh, the Aussie Hope, former world champion, Melbourne's finest, Neil Robertson. He's just lost to a three-time winner, Mark Selby, 13-7. And the winner of Mark Williams, uh, O'Sullivan, will get to face Selby in the semis. Uh, So Mark Williams is winning 6-2. But I'm going to play you the interview that Ronnie O'Sullivan just did after the previous round, because this is possibly... Pretty reflective of of where he's at? Uh, I think so. Would you have believed all those years ago that you and Mark Williams would still be performing at this high level more than a quarter of a century, uh, you know, after, after you first appeared on the scene? Um, probably if you asked me then, no, but then when you look at the standard of play, then I'd say, yeah, you know, because like I said, you know, even people like me and John and Mark, you know, if you look at the younger players coming through, then they're not that good, really, do you know what I mean? And most of them are like, you know, wouldn't even, wouldn't even make, they'd, they'd probably do well as, half decent amateurs do you know what I'm saying well, not even amateurs I mean they're so bad that you know a lot of them that you see now you just think oh you, you've got to, you've got to, I've probably got to lose an arm and a leg to sort of fall outside the top 50 do you know what I mean <laughs> so that's that's really sort of why we're kind of hovering still around because of the uh just to have poor it is down that end, you know. <laughs> it's not that bad. Well, anyway, well, thanks, 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 Ronnie. We're looking forward to that epic quarterfinal. Yeah. Two old guys going toe to toe. Well done tonight. Gracias. Uh, <laughs> just. 
Uh, isn't, the, isn't, isn't the truth just the best thing you, oh. you hear when people <laughs> just, just the way he said oh well I'm probably going to have to lose an arm and a leg to drop outside the top 50 <laughs> it's those things when the interviewer isn't expecting the answer you know he's expecting a nice little oh yeah I'm playing alright yeah these yeah. guys yeah but no nah, they're rubbish <laughs> absolutely rubbish <laughs> probably be amateurs <laughs> just oh I love it oh, great very uh, brilliant Ronnie is great we'll keep tabs on the uh, Mark mm. Williams Ronnie O'Sullivan court final mm-hmm. well I was looking this up the other day Mark Williams it was 15 years between world title wins for him so mm-hmm. he won two in a quick succession and he won one he won it two years ago that was the one where we talked about the show and he and he's just was getting necked on Carlsberg or something outside yeah. a trailer or something for the next two months just mad and had to do the press conference naked yeah uh, but if I win the world championships I'll do the press conference mm. naked and he did mm. phenomenal we love Ronnie and there is a reason why um should we do this Rob yes Yeah, Sporting Gladiators time. This is the quiz of the ages where basically I take on Rob at Sporting Trivia. I basically ask Rob questions about New Zealand sport. Rob is lucky dip. He just asks me whatever he likes. I've got a reel all over the show this time. There we go. I told you. uh, Rob generally wins, although I did pull one back uh, last week uh, Mm. miraculously because Rob didn't know his neo-Nazi football uh, winners. Oh, he's talking about New Zealand soccer teams called the All whites because everything's either the all is to do with the all blacks yeah. so that's yeah righty. i even didn't know what the hell you're talking about i certainly didn't know how you're talking about when you asked me the question the first time and i didn't even then it's just <laughs> that's all right confusing winter mm. summer olympics all over again oh here we go mm. here we go lex luther whatever he was called uh, lex luther that's lex the bad guy Pe- of yeah, superman lex peterson whatever he was called okay rob's still dirty about the fact that i asked not him happy a, asked him a bobsleigh question all righty quiz toboggan oh, it is basically best of five penalty shootout style question one david tua mm. fought for the World Heavyweight Championship. Mm-hmm. Who did he lose to? Simple as that, Rob. Who did David Tua lose to in his one World Heavyweight Championship fight? Lennox Lewis. 1-0 to the Bryers! Yes! Lennox Lewis, I was it was. so close to just blurting out of Vander Holyfield, and then I Ooh. stopped, and I thought about it, and they had, they trained together. Okay. And he was with the same crew. Yeah, right. Yeah, I remember that because uh, it was all about whether he could get inside or not, and he, he couldn't. No. Uh, only one batsman in the his entire history of Test cricket has hit a six off the first ball of the match. Who oh, was it? The universe boss himself, Chris Gale. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Chris Gale v Bangladesh in 1992. Yeah, hit the first over the Test match for like 19 runs. Was that much? Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm going back to David Tua, Rob, for question two. Oh. David Tua knocked out a future world champion, John Ruiz. How long did the fight last? Oh, I think it was like 36 seconds. Do you want to, I'll give you another guess. Uh, I'll... 33 seconds. <laughs> 19 seconds. Ah, oh, damn it. Yeah. I, 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 I knew there was someone where he came in and just belted him and game out. Yeah. He, had, he was sort of similar to Tyson in the sense that he had a severe left hook. His left hook was yeah. punishing. He was, he was short and wide as well, wasn't he? Yeah, well, very wide. Like, I mean, he, 10 or he used to, a car yard I used to work on for my mate's um, dad when I was like 19. They sponsored him in oh, the okay. early days. And he used to, he never forgot. And he used to come in and it was in South Auckland, so yeah. it's all the Polynesian community. And I remember he came in the car one day, and I've never seen a neck so thick oh, in my entire life. Yeah, it was, was all—it was almost wider than his head. He was a big banger, and John Ruiz. You just mentioned Evander Holyfield. John Ruiz. He had a three-fight trilogy with Holyfield. Obviously, he lost to him in the in the first one, and then uh, beat him in the second one to get his world title back. And then he uh, a very controversial draw in the third one. Okay, trivia, trivia. Yeah, we do cover sport every now and again on this show. Yeah, this is the main part. Okay. All right. Uh, an English batsman born on April the 8th, 1963. That's 8th of the 4th, 63. Yeah. Also scored 8,463 test runs. Yeah, he did. Who was it? Oh, you know Part-time it. Part-time wicket keeper. You know it. Damn it. <laughs> I thought that was going to be was. too specific. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. Oh, it's no. It's been brought up in a few trivia quizzes, that one. Yeah. Has it? So it's a rather commanding uh, stat. Yeah. 8463. Going to go rugby league for you, Rob. Mm. The, uh, oh, that's not good. 
word. The what are they? The kiwis? What are they yeah, called? Kiwis, yeah, kiwis. Yeah, the black v's. No, uh, they're not called the black v's. <laughs> Never have they been called the black v's because the v's white for a start. It's true. That's very true. Jesus. Uh, who is New Zealand rugby league team's all-time cap leader? Who's played the most for the New Zealand rugby league team? Oh, this is my answer. I'm going to cherish. I'm thinking like Matthew Ridge could be a nil, and there's like I Dean don't think he Bell. Played long enough because Ridge played rugby Dean union Bell, first. Dean Bell, Nico would be up there. Gary Freeman could be up there. They didn't play a lot of tests back then. They back play a bit then, more so tests nowadays you'd be looking at. Oh, I'm going to say Stacey Jones. Stacey Jones. That's a good answer. That's yeah. not bad. Oh, Ruben Wiki. Oh, of course. He's yeah, the campaigner. Career. Very long career. Yeah. Started Damn. off as a center, ended up as a prop. Yeah, that's right. Canberra. They normally got that second row at a center or something, but not mm. not prop. Not prop. <laughs> he did end up a prop. Oh, Damn, well. I thought I was going to be right then. Unlucky. You don't know how close he was? No, I only got Ruben Wiki 55 caps. Oh, I'm in trouble here. So I'm I've I'm down 2-1. Two, two, oh, that's not yes. so bad. No. Okay. But you might get this one too. Ooh. In the 1996 Cricket World Cup quarterfinal, New Zealand v Australia. Okay. Oh, subcontinent, yeah. Yeah. Sub- it was in Sri Lanka, wasn't it? Oh, India. India Sh- Sh- Lanka. Yeah, yeah. yeah. New Zealand's sadly were knocked out in that game, but the game is still widely remembered back home in New Zealand for a phenomenal, stunning 130 made by New Zealand's unlikely number five after a disastrous start. Who was it? The unlikely number five. Mm. Adam Perore. No. But he was in the team. Chris Harris. Chris Harris in yeah. five. Okay, he, got, he normally would come in 6-7, yeah, but he got yeah. promoted because we lost Fleming, Craig Spearman, and I can't remember who else was opening the batting at the time. We lost them all for, we were three for 15 or something. And he batted with Lee Jamon. Lee Jamon, the keeper, and they put on 220 runs. Oh, wow. For the third wicket. Unbelievable. Yeah, Chris came out and smashed it. Zinzan Harris. Chris Zinzan Harris, that's right. And, and the turning point, Australia say, was when Chris Ken, I mean, right at the point where he could have massacred them, he, they got him caught on the boundary for a uh, uh, game uh, trying to hit it for six. Incredible. All right, here's an interesting one, sport adjacent. Which company has sponsored the New Zealand Rugby League team since 2007? Since 07? That's, 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 that's like time. That's right when I moved here. I've barely watched the test but since then. it's been then. the same company. 2007, it won't be a beer one. I can still see the old line red. Line red. Um. That's the, that's the Warriors, Rob. <laughs> now the Kiwis were line red for a long time. Oh, well, Davey Bitter was the Warriors. 2007. It'll be some tech thing or something. I don't. I don't know. Like Hollandai. Pertech. How am I gonna know Pertech? I don't even know what it is. I think they make hoses, don't they? They make hoses. I think so. Awesome. They're well, that's true, glamorous. True blue or true black Aussie, a New Zealand company, Rob. Well, may as well buy the old Rothmans. Bring them back. <laughs> <laughs> Rothman's in line red. John Player Special, that's what you need across the front. John Player Special, all blacks. <laughs> all right. Western Samoan prop forward, Peter Fatialofa, uh, was a well, very well known in Auckland and throughout New Zealand for his rugby, but also as a, in a running his own successful business doing, I'm giving you a multiple choice here. I know what the answer is. Oh, okay. We'll go for it then. He was a piano mover. Correct. <laughs> yes. I think, didn't he call his son Cardiff? As well, because of the 91 World Cup win? I don't know. I think he might. Uh, but I, I definitely have mentioned that on the show about 60 shows ago, oh, okay. roughly. I can't remember. So it might have started away from that. No, I knew it anyway. Unfortunately, being Welsh, we do know quite a little bit about the Samoans. Right. Due to... I was there. You know what I was Numerous there? losses. In- I was there. I was at the game in 91. Yeah. And I was at the game in 99. Yeah. So I'm not allowed to go and see Samoa Wales ever again, because <laughs> I'm 0 from 2. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give you cricket just to, just to round off because mm-hmm. I'm uh, two... Am I still 2-1? Oh, 3-1 up. Oh, that's been a good one for me this week. Uh, which player scored the most runs in 2020 internationals for New Zealand? Most runs in 2020 for New Zealand? Yep, and by a long way. Ross Taylor. No. Oh, then it's going to be that Tonka who opens the batting. Oh, McCullum. No, no it's okay. Then, then, it'll be, then it'll be that Tonka, the guy who's currently playing with the power stance. They call him the stance. The power stance. Yeah, um, I forget. He, he opens the the batting at the moment um, just not in the test matches apparently. not in the test matches oh some he, not, um, he's 
turn out one day. I'll team. give you a clue. He caught like six catches. He caught David Warner nearly every innings in that series. Yeah, so no, he, no. I, I, I just I, his name's just left me. I know who it is. It, it's um, Ma- ca- uh, ca- ca- Ma- Oh, Martin Guptill. Martin Guptill. Oh, I wasn't going to say that. Actually. Oh, were you? No, <laughs> I was going to go. I should have got that though too. Mm. Yeah, Guptill, two thousand five hundred and forty runs, and the next closest is McCullum on two one six or something. I would have thought Ross Taylor would have been up there. I would have thought Ross Taylor as well, but it's not Martin Guptill because Martin he opens a batting. See? Yeah, of course. Thought about. I mean, I really should have got that. You should have got it. The guy I was trying to think of, I still can't remember his name though. Colin Monroe. Yeah, that's what I was trying to think of. I think he's third in all. Because he got he got three hundred in a row in twenty twenties. Yeah. Wow, that's huge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, it's all over, unfortunately. It is all over. You might. Oh, well I was me. too nice. You probably might even get this one too. <laughs> okay. American football legend and convicted murderer O.J. Simpson. <laughs> No, unconvicted murderer. Unconvicted. <clears throat> Sorry, I got that part wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, unconvicted murderer. <laughs> He's um, convicted thief. <laughs> convicted thief, that's right. O.J. Simpson is also well known for a character he played in classic spoof <laughs> movie, The Naked Gun. What was the name of the character? Nordberg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think it was on the other night, wasn't it? Naked Gun. Because that's another one I was thinking about, and then I was thinking, oh, Beefy doesn't know anything about movies. But I thought, oh, but I remember you did oh, that yeah. Naked Gun segment for our film and the, the, the Pelota. Oh, we Police in, Squad. Uh, that was a Naked police Gun. Squad, it but it's the same thing. idea. And I'm sure you'd mentioned it before. <laughs> I thought, oh. I, so I thought, oh, I'm not going to ask what movie was he in. I was, oh, I'll ask, see if he knows the character. Yes. So you got four right. That's not bad. That's a record. Yeah, too nice. I'm going back to harder Definitely ones. Definitely a record. Yeah. Hey, this is Toddy Goldsmith, and you're listening to 365 Days of Sport. Back off, you twat. Uh, Johnson Vegan News. Yep. Meat lovers offered £2,000 to go vegan for a month. £2,000. I'd do that. I know. Why would you not do that? Uh, exactly right. A company is offering to pay meat lovers £2,000 each to go vegan for a month. Vegan lifts. Is it still on offer? Uh, I think it might be in the or UK. pounds in the UK. Yeah. Ve- vegan lifts has revealed it's looking to recruit meat eaters who are willing to go plant-based for a month to highlight the benefits of a vegan diet. Candidates are asked to keep a log of their experience, all the highs and the lows, so they can be used as case studies. Applicants will have a vegan diet plan they can refer to throughout the 30 days and will have a fitness check before and after. They will also be asked to take photographs of themselves during the month to note any visible changes. Jason Hughes, founder of veganlifts.com, said, Our main aim at veganlifts.com is to debunk any myths out there around veganism and to help our community educate themselves on a plant-based lifestyle. As such, we are always looking to demonstrate the real-life effects being vegan has on a person's health and fitness. It's important to us that case studies we produce from our latest recruits are honest, relatable, informatives and both negatives and positives are reported on so people can make an informed decision on whether veganism is right for them on how best to implement it but two grand are you still allowed to drink two bottles of wine a night no is accounts? it vegan rob mm. can you get vegan wine i suppose I suppose you can why wouldn't vo- wine you don't be you don't vegan? you don't all wine's vegan that's what i'm saying so why can't you drink wine no, it no, does but, say... because like they're, they're wanting health benefits but you're drinking to like al- alcoholic levels yeah you on a to, nightly you, you i know. think you've got to follow their diet plan that's the uh Ah, uh, uh, well, that screws it then. Perhaps you just cut it down to one or two glasses a night instead of two, one or two bottles, Rob. Now that's annoying. <laughs> There's got to be there'd be a way around it. You, you get some clarity on it. Yeah, I reckon that or be claret right. tea. Are you trying to do carrot? No, Cla- claret is wine. It's a wine joke, Rob. Claret wine. What, what like red wine? Oh, is claret. claret. Oh, I see. Right. God. It's nearly as bad as this one. Uh, U.S. Postal Service, they tweeted out today, we weren't going to post a joke about mail, but sometimes you just got to send it. Mm, It's good. Everyone's bored, Rob. Everyone's bored in lockdown. Yeah. Um. Actually, young Stella. Young Stella. A five-year-old. She came up with a joke out of oh. nowhere today. Here she, we go. She was going to tell a joke. Here we go. Come on, Rob. Why did the dog do a fart? I don't know, Rob. Why did the dog do a fart? Okay. You understand the question loud and clear? Yeah. This was the answer. Okay. Because he ate watermelon. Oh. Yeah. 
Does I, I watermelon have that effect? Well, on Stella? I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, no, uh, I'm not sure actually. Right. However, um, even if it was a known laxative type of, uh, if, if, if he was, he, he, he drunk coffee with his, <laughs> if, if he had coffee with his dog biscuits or something. Does coffee make I, you fat? Uh, it's, it's, it's a, a laxative effect, definitely. But you just drink instant, so you can probably oh, can become okay, immune so to that. If you have coffee, proper coffee, then it yeah, it makes you guff. Oh yeah. It's a it's a great cleanser, and that was really the the joke. She needs to probably work on a material a little well, bit. Well, th- there was no sign of any type of lame pun. It was actually why did the dog um, do a you know? Fight? It was more of just a, an account of an event. Like, True. Uh, why did well, I? How did I end up in the studio? I walked through the door. It's sort of just no, because that is similar. That's direct. Whereas, why did the dog do a fart because he ate watermelon? That's unheard of, or different, or adjacent. You could say anything. <laughs> you could. He could have said because. He ate in fact, the celery. Joke, your joke is, how did I end up in the studio because I ate watermelon? Well, no, because one's obviously at least directly related. This is similar to your segues the other week where you were just... <laughs> you went to... Uh, speaking of chicken... Speaking and of You chicken, started talking about Jack beef, Link's ju- beef, Jack Link's beef jerky. Well, right? weirdly enough, thanks for that segue, Rob, because... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, here's tonight's top ten. <laughs> It's actually a top 15. Good. A definitive ranking of the 15 best road trip snacks of all time. But how is it definitive? Because is the, I've got the article. That's how you, definitive there's it no, is. There's no statistical data. They didn't do a mass analysis, or there must have been something, some sort of research, some sort of uh, speaking to uh, 7-Elevens. And, uh, they must have done all that. Sp- the families going on the uh, burger and, no, not, Great American Vacation. What's that great burger place? Place, that one we had in, uh, in Las Vegas. Burger. Oh, that was great. But also, no, it was um, Carl's Jr. Carl's Jr. Yeah, Carl's Jr. That was good. that was a ripper. Carl's Jr. There's a couple in Australia nowadays. Yeah, oh, you know the guy that brought them into New Zealand, don't mm. you? Oh, oh. This, this, this is why I didn't have the fried chicken. I remembered. <laughs> Because it's on, on, an hour on Thursday, <laughs> on Thursday, I was sitting there and I had, I got up. Oh. I did my morning workout. You wonder no why breakfast, I have to do all the research on this and, show. And come come midnight, I was midday. I was feverishly hungry. Right. And I thought, screw this, I'm getting Uber Eats. And I ordered in a southern fried chicken burger from... I just had Korean chicken. Well, anyway, I didn't I didn't on. feel it was appropriate on right. a weekday. Southern fried chicken. Yeah. Yes. I didn't feel it was appropriate to order a bucket of chicken for my lunch <laughs> on a weekday. <laughs> Whereas on Saturday, Nothing it new. made perfect sense. And anyway, this after I ate it, I felt so sluggish and oh, heavy. because of the southern fried chicken. Yeah, Popeyes. I was just like, oh, no, I don't think I want to do that on Saturday anymore. Okay. So I screwed myself. got to the bottom of it. Got All right. The, of it. I the, the listeners were... The listeners are just they glued need to, to know. seats about it. They just yeah. couldn't believe you didn't have Korean fried chicken, and now they know why. Good. Number 15 is leftovers. This is an American list, by the way. A definitive best ranking... Best snack ever, left, leftovers. A definitive... That's very broad. Ranking very vague. 15 best road trip snacks of all that. I'm going to confine this to things you eat in the car that you bring with you, right? Number 15, leftovers. What? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Says your, for example, your grandma's famous stew may be fantastic the next day, but do you want to slurp chunky broth through a straw? Passengers may have better luck consuming soup on the road, but this is still a risky move. Think of delicious handheld leftover options on the road, which are not limited to a tightly wrapped burrito, sliced pizza, kimbap. I don't know what kimbap is. Empanadas and onigiri. Maybe a sausage. Could be a sausage, yeah. Number 14, a sandwich. As simple as that, Rob. Yeah. A sandwich is number 14. Sure. It's perfectly... But there's lots of different... I, was, I thought it would be more specific than this. I mean, what type of sandwich is it going to go into? Whatever you like, actually. Uh, whatever you want to put in a sandwich. Could be there's Vegemite. There's so many sandwiches, Beefy. I think it's and infinite. There is an infinite number of type of sandwiches available. I think it's... a eventually find it but there would be millions and millions of combinations I reckon there's probably infinite because you can just keep mixing be- and matching are people discovering new foods every day I think they are I'm pretty sure they very are very speculative argument uh, well number 13 you said 
sandwiches abroad. What about candy or sweets or chocolate? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. What Surely, they... I'm going to say number one's burgers. Well, you're going to be surprised. Candy that comes in little pieces may last you longer than something in bar form. Oh, he's going to like a Snickers. So we lean towards options such as Haribo, Zing, Sour, Sketty, Peanut M&M's or Swedish Fish. I've only heard of Peanut M&M's. No, ha- Haribo obviously is British, but uh, anyway. Uh, number 12, Nutella and Go. Not sure what the... Uh, uh, yeah. Nutella and Go, oh, it's a dipper snack. It's like you get a breadstick, you put into Nutella chocolate oh, sauce. Oh, with a thing in the corner. Yeah. So another sugary one. Another sugary one. And it does It does mention, it's a bit of a tip here, hardcore Nutella fans can just pack a jar of the spread to eat on its own. This option is extreme, but we do respect it. Mm. Number 11... Must be respected. Must be respected. Number 11 is popcorn. Yeah. We really? Been, I'm we surprised have, by that. We have been conditioned... Ahead of sandwiches. No, be, we, yes, ahead of sandwiches, you're right. We have been conditioned to think popcorn is the ultimate mindless snack. Hmm. We shovel it in while watching movies, and we can shovel it in but while th- that's driving. That's not that easy, because you, you generally need to have... A microwave? A microwave handy. <laughs> yeah, I think you pre-pop it, and then open it when you're on the road. Uh, number 10, I have never heard of this before. Pocky. Pocky wasn't specifically invented for road trips, but it might as well be in the Japanese biscuit snacks are dipped in delicious, sweet, but not too sweet, coatings, including milk chocolate, uh, cookies and cream, strawberry, and they make for a very tidy car snack. Mm. We haven't had Pocky in Australia, have we? Never heard of it, never had it. Okay, number nine, this is a bit out there, string cheese. String, this this is ridiculous. This American list, Rob, isn't it? Uh, beloved by toddlers and their parents alike, string cheese is a crowd pleaser and a wholesome option if you're dairy tolerant. <laughs> if you're dairy. That's the reverse, isn't it? Not if you're lactose intolerant, now if you're dairy tolerant. Are there more lactose intolerant no people? No way. Than, I was going to say. It should say, if you're not lactose intolerant. Well, I don't actually get what string cheese is, uh, exactly. It's basically, you get a, it's a long kind of stick of cheese which you can peel into bits of string, basically. It's like pre-grated uh, cheese that's not in grated bits. You can peel it and you get a string of cheese. Mm. That's what string cheese is. Even I know that. Number eight. This is above sandwiches. Protein bars. That's not a snack. What? The pro- protein bar? The protein bar says, hey, I'm an adult and I'm on a road trip. It's a handy car breakfast. Right. Mm, anyway. Uh, number seven. The delightfully termed designer snacks. The 2010s ushered in a new era of designer snacks. They're marketed as better for you because of higher quality ingredients or fewer chemical additives. So they're usually more expensive than the packaged gash station snacks that came before them. Mm. Highlights include bark thins, pop chips, and Chrissy Teigen approved dang sticky rice chips. Bark thins. Bark thins. We'll have to look I'm hating this list right now. Number six, Pringles. Yeah, I like, I, I smashed it. I love Pringles. Once you pop, just can't stop. Yeah, they go down in a rush. Like Goldilocks's final porridge, Pringles on a road trip are just right. Uh, number five, fruit and veggies. Fruit and veggies are the road trip snack. The, okay, then this, this is either bollocks well, I, I, no, I can or... agree with this. Bananas, that's pretty good. Cherries, I love but cherries because of... Veggies, of, what? You're just going to grab a, a, carrot, a capsicum. Carrot or a celery stick. You can live with that. So but I, it's more popular than a sandwich. No way in I, the world. I'm agreeing Th- with this you. This is incorrect. I'm agreeing with you. Uh, number four, other chips, says... All other... So they can separate Pringles in from all other chips. Yep, Chris, yeah. Basically, they're, they're separating Chris. Who's the reason? Research team on this thing. Yeah. This is just a bunch of people sat around in a meeting, probably hipsters, <laughs> who just said, "Let's write not, something, not just stuck it on the internet, and see if some idiots read it on their show." <laughs> not just probably, Rob. Some idiots are reading it on the, on their show. Uh, number three, trail mix or nuts? Do you do trail mix? Let's do health conscious. This. Yeah, this it's up there with your description of what's going on. Yeah, a lot of people do. Americans love their nuts and they love their trail mix. I'm not a trail mix guy. I just I don't yeah. do I don't do walnuts. I just and walnuts are a staple diet of this rubbish. Mm. Number two is something called combos. Combo stuffed na- stuffed snacks are one of the greatest road trip snacks of all time. The baked and filled snack can be found at pretty much any gas station, and makes it easily accessible to the road tripper. But it's not convenience and earns combos one of the high spots in the road trip snack hierarchy. Combos are like catnip to road trippers. They're an intoxicating umami in their artificial and natural flavors that lures us in and hooks us. Plus, there's minimal mess eating them. Don't know what a combo is. It's very vague. Ooh. Very. This has been, this has been a real letdown. Yeah. Do you know what a number one? Hot dogs. Oh, that would have been a good one. It's not even in the list, Rob. They've overlooked hot no dogs. No hot dogs and no burgers. This is, It's just it's lying. That's what this <laughs> thing is. Number one. Look how fat that country is. <laughs> 
And you're going to tell me that people aren't smashing burgers and hot dogs this and is, giant sodas. Well, this, we're talking about food in this instance, but I think they're talking about pre-packed food, not stuff, although combos you obviously buy from them. Yeah, I'm wrong. So it's, I'm like, with you. It's, it's snacks as opposed to road, meals, meals. Road trip snacks, that's exactly right. Although I would consider a hot dog a road trip snack. They really, you. they should have defined this more clearly. Well, number one, the best road tripping snack money can buy. Chocolate. Well, they cover that in candy, I guess. Right. Jack Link's beef jerky, Rob! Jack Link's beef jerky. A lot of meat is ill-suited for eating in the car, but dried and cured meats are an exception today. Handheld meat options are a plenty from classic Jack Link's mm. and slim Jack Link's beef jerky to more artisanal, artisanal, whatever that word is, products like Portland, oh no, don't worry about the uh, other ones, but 100% New Zealand beef, Jack Link's oh, that's beef a... jerky is the number one road tripping snack. No, that's a good finish. That's Happy with that. why it's on our show, Rob, because okay. we know that Jack Link's beef jerky, it is the food of astronauts, 100% New Zealand grass-fed beef and tasty, tasty, tasty. Tasty, and it'll make you move more hastily. Move more hastily, Rob, because 100% New Zealand beef. Awesome, awesome, awesome. We've got to thank the people from Jack Link's Beef Jerky. It's the best dried meat snack product you Mm. can buy. It's probably on special somewhere Mm. right now. And it will get you through lockdown because, as most people know, Melbourne is in stage four lockdown. Me and Rob have to have permits. We're on work permits. We have to have a permit to get to the station. Of all things, we qualify. Yeah. Many things don't. (laughs) Well, the furore today about that intensive care doctor that got slapped with a parking fine when she was working at the Royal Melbourne saving people's lives, Rob, and... How the hell are parking inspectors essential workers? Tell me that, Rob! Uh, I actually have been very casual with my, uh, the couple of times I have had to go into the city thinking, oh, there'll be no parking people. And sure enough, just as I was walking back to the car, there was some bloke about to jump on it. And I thought, well, come on, what's that? They're not essential workers? And, they and there was 80 free car parks as oh, well. That's exactly right. If they want to dress it up as, oh, we need to move the cars on, it's revenue raising and you know it, Rob. Well, we've got to keep funding those. It. The people at Melbourne know it and it needs to stop now. We've got to keep funding those Job keepers, though, beef. And job seekers alike, Rob. Yeah. Do you know there was a golf major this weekend? What? Did you know that? Not a major. Yeah, the USPGA was on last was weekend. It? Oh, yeah. Oh, I probably kind of saw some without knowing. Sports news, Rob. We'll just have to squeeze some more sports yeah, news yeah, because yeah. it just hasn't been enough. Mm. Trump trying to be added to uh, Rushmore. Mount Rushmore and mm. Indian twins being called COVID and Corona. And uh, Colin Morikawa, who's American, beat uh, Paul Casey and Dustin Johnson by two shots in the end. Uh, I'm just trying to see if there was any Australians. I know that Jason Day was in the mix at some stage, but he's obviously dropped away. Mm. But yeah, there was a major. That's what I saw. I saw him playing quite well at one point. Okay. You didn't even know. I bet. I haven't looked at the field, but I bet there was no Welshman in the field. To be honest, since I've gone back to work at home, like uh, I've just been in my own bubble, yeah. apart from doing actual work. But I don't watch, I don't watch the news. Doing. Well, and I actually, I do have the news on, weirdly enough. It's just a bit weird now because I've got like my office desk and then I've got my music desk and they're side by side. Oh. And like I finish work and then I move to the other computer. And it's I, so I'm just there like all day. It's it's hard. It's a bit weird. Yeah, I'm not. And now I come to this desk. It's a life of desks. Rob Bryce's life of desks. Desks and computers. Is there anything on the horizon for you? Is there anything on the horizon? Is there any reason to even get up in the morning? That's what he says to George Costanza. You got any prospects? You got anything on the horizon? I like to get the daily news. That's what he says. Mm. Nah. I better check the old ho- racing. I, you know, I just remembered I did have a multi too. Uh, uh, four out of five come in. Oh, never mind. On the great. Who let me down? Deuce Royale in his last start oh. ever from box eight. Didn't jump. And then to top it off, actually got injured and didn't finish the race. So uh, that was the leg that let me down. Absolute shame. Mm. Right. We better uh, turf Rob out because he's got to get to work. That massive commute he's got from uh, one, the hall. one room to the other. Yeah. We've done 163 of these now, Rob. Good. Just keep it going. Just keep it going. There's no reason to stop. <laughs> There's no re- Now we've got a license to come to the studio, Rob. Yeah, we're obliged. We ain't stopping yet, that's yeah. for sure. This has been episode 163 of the greatest sports radio show on the planet. Yes, 365 days of sport. Good night, we'll see you next week.